When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Merkel Media. What does the goddamn line say, Tony? Please do not use gendered language. Then what? I'll be arrested, put in airport jail. Well, you're going completely sideways, man. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. How dare you? Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. I'm Chris Hansen with Dave on NBC. Jack Mary's Tack Theratrix. Hi, I'm Spartacus. Dave Jackson, Sacramento, he him. Steven Seagal. Sex offender guy. I'm Keith Morris. This is Mumbai Kutapi. I'm Rick James, bitch. Sorting through the lies. The hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. We cannot track $2.3 trillion in transactions. And uncovering the centuries-long plan for world domination. Learning about Cuba, having some food. Let's talk about Chinese people. Have you ever been in a, in a Turkish prison? Ah, I have sent six of my Libyan missiles to blow up the CS hardware department. Nothing could be more fun than jumping off a cliff to German bisexuals. Oh, you English are so Thank you, comrade. And now, macro I thought assholes call it. With your host. Buddy, I don't know who you are, but you're about to get chlamydia. Charlie Robinson. Hey, Whitey, where's your hat? You want to drop the blame on Charlie and say it's all Charlie's fault. He was a retard. I get some goddamn diuretic. Welcome to Macroaggressions. I'm your host, Charlie Robinson. If you are watching us on Rockfin, Rumble, Band.video, or you're listening wherever podcasts are served, thank you so much. We appreciate the support. We couldn't do it without you. We also couldn't do it without the support of our amazing sponsors. EMP Shield is building the best devices out there that'll work on your home, your car, your motorhome, if you've got one, or a boat, or a generator. You can get a bundle package. You can install this device yourself. It's relatively easy to do. There's installation videos. You can do it or you can have an electrician come out and do it. It'll protect you against EMPs, solar flares, and lightning. It's many times more effective than a single-use EMP, uh, military-designed EMP shield, and it can handle up to 40 EMP strikes. So, uh, if this is something that you think you might be interested in, if you want to take advantage of this, go to the website, empshield.com. Just read up about it. On your way out, if you find something you like, the promo code is MACRO. That'll save you a bunch of money. Also, thanks to the folks at Legal Shield. They've been doing this for half a century in the United States and Canada. It'll get you access to a high-powered attorney in your area for a very reasonable price. How reasonable? 30 bucks a month, dollar a day. Get you a lawyer. That'll be able to help you with all kinds of things, including creating your last will and testament, creating your medical directive, your power of attorney, things like that. All the documents that you need to have, but probably don't want to go out and get 
Legal Shield can do that for you for a very reasonable price. Uh, they tell us equal justice under the law, but everybody knows that's nonsense. If you've got a good lawyer, things tend to go your way. And the lawyers at e- at uh, Legal Shield have on average 22 years of experience, so you're not going to get somebody straight out of college. You're going to get somebody that's been doing this for a while and can help you navigate this. So if you are so inclined, you can go to the website, don'tgetpushedaround.com, find out everything you want there, and set yourself up with ease. I'll be in an Arcapulco the second week of February, February the 11th through the 16th in Acapulco, Mexico. You can come check it out. Anarchapulco.com is the place to go for that. You can use the promo code MACRO to save some money there as well. We would love to have you. We are excited. Acapulco is bouncing back after the hurricane, and it's a good thing that that's happening. So uh, for those of you watching and not just listening, you might recognize a new design, new background, new camera, new lights, all that stuff. Well, I didn't just go out and do it on my own free will. I was kind of forced into it. Not not that it's a bad thing, but uh, TNT Radio moved me from the weekend show that I'd been doing for the last eight months, and I am now Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time for an hour, and it is on camera, and it is in, in like a newsroom. I mean, it looks like you're in a newsroom. I've got an invisible earpiece that you don't see, but I hear producers in Australia in my ear, which is where TNT Radio is based. So if you are so inclined, interested, want to check it out, if you're not sick of me already from all these podcasts, you can go to tntradio.live and watch it. They're streaming it live on YouTube. I mean, I don't... It, I don't know if that's such a good idea. <laughs> I mean, have you heard my content? I know I'm and I'm 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 no different than a lot of the people on there too. I think YouTube's probably going to get tired of this pretty soon, but it's streaming everywhere, but uh and, and even on TNT Radio's uh, website. So you can go to t- www.tntradio.live and you can watch it live, you can watch playbacks. They've uh, they've gone to video. I think the radio part of TNT Radio is maybe now a misnomer. And um, so I'm there. Catch me there. And that would explain the new lights. That would explain the new cameras. I've got like a 4K camera. I got a face for radio, but I got a 4K camera in front of me. Whatever. That's fine. It's all good. It's been it's been a quite a transition to uh, to make that move to daily. But uh, there's so much going on. One of the the nice things about that, I will say, is that, you know, when I come from a world of writing books in which the information has been, you know, you've been working on it for, for, for years, and then it finally gets out there. And it's not necessarily like breaking news by that point. And then the podcast too with macroaggressions, I still I don't record it the day of that it goes out, it's still recorded a couple days before. So even that is not as fresh as it could be. But the TNT radio stuff, man, it's like, what happened last hour in the world? Yeah, so it's it's really it's really been a trip. Uh, I'm I'm getting used to it. So check me out over there. But let's get into this because halfway through my first week doing the daily show over at TNT, I got a bit of good news. I got the sort of I got the early Christmas present that we were all hoping for, and that's the death of Henry Kissinger. Now, normally I don't want to dance on the grave of the dead because it is bad form, but I am willing to make a special exception for Henry Kissinger because he was the worst human being I have seen in the last, in my lifetime. 
And when I get done with this episode, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't already, I mean, he's a diabolical motherfucker and he's dead now. And they always live to be a hundred, right? Rockefeller lived to be like 101, I think. Kissinger, a hundred. These people are may or may not be drinking baby blood. Ah, well, I mean, he was an investor in Theranos, you know, blood testing. They're into that. They're always into that, right? And and I want to talk a little bit about this. You know, for those of you that caught the flashback Friday episode last week, episode 250, the Kissinger report that came out the Friday after his death, I will have you know that that was not pre-planned. That was random luck. I picked that that episode was going to run on that Friday about six months earlier. So I'm, I'm going to take credit for Henry Kissinger's death. I'm going, to, I'm going to just say that I put it out there to the universe. You know, He had been on my mind. And, uh, and we just sort of lucked out that he went and dropped dead before that episode came out. So if you haven't listened to the Kissinger report, it's episode 250. Um, it's worth it. It's worth listening to it. It's where we go really deep into his national security council memorandum 200 that came out in December of 1974, which called for depopulation. I'll reference that a little bit towards the back half of this episode. Because it it bears repeating, you know, it it is a glimpse inside the mind of these people when they thought everything was declassified and you'd never read their words, you'd never hear what they wanted to do or what how they thought about people outside of America. But this memo was was very enlightening. Not that you didn't already know that these people are bloodthirsty depopulationists, but they're their words are there. It's undeniable. It's in a now declassified memo. Henry Kissinger should have died in a Cambodian prison if there were any justice in this world for what he did to Southeast Asia. I mean, among other things. And, and we'll get into this. Actually, let's just jump right into it now. He he um, was utterly despised by the world, by the people that were paying attention. Now, the normies out there that turn on CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and BBC and, and whatever, they, they see Henry Kissinger throughout the years. He's been, you know, he's been alive throughout everybody's lifetime. I mean, he's, he's, he's was a hundred and he was, he wasn't just some guy that be, rose to prominence, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. He was one of the most influential people in the world for half a century, at least, if not more. And um, he was morally bankrupt, a enthusiastic eugenicist. He wanted the world's population cut in half. I suggested in the Octopus book that we start by cutting Henry Kissinger in half, which I thought would have been a nice part. That, of course, would get me kicked off of Twitter these days. But um, this was a person who had no problem sending everybody else's kids off to die in wars that he started. And then inside the war, he violated international law every chance he got, didn't hesitate to. All this under the guise of population stability. It's what they called it. It's what he called it. Population stability. Oh, yeah. You know, who, 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 who? Told you that you were in charge of managing the population, Heinz. Who 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 put you in charge? I know David Rockefeller did, but I mean, 
why would you think that you would be the one that would decide who lives and dies on this planet? The arrogance, the psychopathy. I, it's, it's tough to really wrap your head around the mentality of people like this because we're good people. We don't think like this. I would never sit and plot how I was going to destroy an entire country, how I was going to use chemical weapons on children. I could never even fathom something like that. Henry Kissinger didn't have a problem with it at all. He was the architect of evil. So let's talk, let's start with his political resume. We'll get into some of the wars. We'll get in, we're going to get into a lot. And, and, and I'll tell you what, by the time we're done with this episode, it, it will it, it not have been enough either too. You know what I mean? There will be much left on the floor, on the cutting room floor, as they say, that, that didn't make it into the episode. So let's, let's do this the best we can, but understand that when you're, when you're talking about a political operator of a hundred, you know, a hundred year old political operator that, that had been doing this for 60 years, you're going to leave some things out. It's not to say that they aren't important. It's just that shit, I can't fit it all in here. Henry Kissinger did so much horrible stuff that I can't fit it all in an ep- in one episode. It's like a multi-part series. And maybe somebody will do that one day. And they will show this guy for who he really was. And he, he should have been booed out of all of these black tie events. Instead, he was celebrated and they charged money for everybody to come and, and hear him speak. That I will never understand the mentality of these globalists. I just will, will not. Um, Heinz did most of his official work during the 1970s uh, in the administrations of Richard Nixon, who then wound up getting thrown out and then uh, being replaced by Ford. Uh, Kissinger stayed on board. He was the Secretary of State from September of 1973 until January of 1977. He was a national security advisor under Nixon and Ford. In addition to being Secretary of State, you can be both, and he was for most of the time. Um, National security advisor from January of 1969 until November of 1975. So there's a story that Chris Hedges tells about an interaction between Kissinger and Nixon inside the White House when there were massive protests going on in Washington, D.C. They had put buses end to end surrounding the White House so that they could keep the protesters out. They thought the protesters were going to climb the walls, right? And there's this scene that, um, that Chris Hedges retells of Nixon looking out the window from the Oval Office, he's got Kissinger behind him, and he goes, and he's he's rubbing his hands, and he's going, Henry, they're going to get us. They're going to get over those walls, and they're going to get us. And Chris Hedges mentions that that is where you want these people at all times. You want them worrying that the people are going to get over the walls and get you. I don't think there's enough of that these days. I don't think the people in positions of power, I don't think the people in the White House fear that. I think the apparatus has been set up so that there is no theoretical, whether actual or, you know, of of people coming over the wall and, quote, getting them. Nobody gets them. They don't get them while they're in office. They don't get them while they're out of office. They don't, there's no war crimes tribunal. There's no accountability or repercussions for these people at all. We've seen that. We know that. But in that moment where Nixon believed that they were going to get him, Hedges says that that's the mentality 
that these people should have. They should walk around with that their entire lives. They should always fear that the people are going to get them. If you're doing bad things on behalf of the American empire, you should worry. Henry Kissinger was responsible for starting the Vietnam War. So if your uncle got zapped in Nam, you can thank Kissinger for that. Or if they were lucky enough to come back, but their head was scrambled, or they were suffering from debilitating respiratory injuries the rest of their lives because of the Agent Orange that they ingested, or they came back in a wheelchair, or they came back with PTSD, or they came back wanting to shoot up the place, or they came back despondent and depressed and had no... no purpose in life. I mean, they did some things in Vietnam. The American soldiers were ordered to do some things that were incompatible with humanity, you know, with with what you would do if you were a good person. And I think a lot of those people came back and processed that. It's not limited to the Vietnam War, of course. We have Afghanistan, Iraq vets coming back just feeling like what's the point? You know, I did some some horrible things over there, and I regret them. But it, w- you know, I didn't know if I was going to come home. I just wanted to come home and see my mom. I did what I could to protect the guys next to me, protect myself, so that I could go home. And I had to do some things I'm not proud of. I mean, those moral dilemmas that the soldiers wrestled with when they came home. Kissinger didn't worry about that. You like my they them mug. Kissinger didn't have to worry about that. He was protected. He was in his ivory tower. Let's talk a little bit about Vietnam because it's it's the focal point of Henry Kissinger's career. It's what he's best known for or worst known for, however you want to look at it. it I, I think that to understand the empire and how the empire rewards their own, you need look no further than 1973 winner of the Nobel Peace Prize, Henry Kissinger, for starting Vietnam. He won, this is when Obama won it, you know, we murdered some folks. You know, when, when Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize, everyone laughed at that and said, are you out of your mind? This guy was bombing people. They're like, oh, if you're up in arms about Obama winning the Peace Prize. Have you heard about Henry Kissinger's role in winning it in 1973 for ending the Vietnam War? Grab a history book. Take a look at what year the Vietnam War ended. He won the Nobel Peace Prize for ending the Vietnam War in 1973. The war didn't end in 1973. The war ended in 1975. He didn't end the war. He, they just gave him a prize. It comes with a million. During the Vietnam War, my blood is boiling just thinking about this. He authorized the use of Agent Orange. Agent Orange was a chemical that was an orange chemical that was sprayed out of the back of planes. It's made by Monsanto, of course. I know you're really surprised to hear that. And it's a it's sprayed on the see Southeast Asia, as you know, is jungle. Uh, you know, ma- vast majority of it's covered with jungle, ex- outside of the cities, of course. And it's really tough to see what you're bombing because all of the trees block that block your view of what's down there on the ground. You don't know what you're hitting. So what they said is, let's make a chemical that we can spray on all the trees so that the leaves will fall off. And then when the leaves fall off of the trees, 
then we can see what's underneath the trees. We can see what we're bombing. So they sprayed Agent Orange, which had catastrophic side effects that are still being felt to this day. If you've got a family member that served in Vietnam, they can tell you all about it. He authorized the use of napalm, which is manufactured by Standard Oil Rockefeller. We'll get into that. And it binds to people as a flammable jelly. Flammable jelly. I mean, if this level of creativity and testing and had, had gone in towards making something that was good for humanity, I just think of it. I mean, could you imagine being a scientist and your job is to make, come up with a concept of making flammable jelly so that the, when they drop it on people, it'll stick to them and burn their skin and kill them? He authorized the use of cluster bombs, which are banned internationally. Not that Henry Kissinger gives a flying fuck about what's legal and what's not legal. As he said, the illegal we do immediately, the unconstitutional takes a little bit longer. And he authorized the overwhelming use of landmines, especially the ones that were known as toe poppers because they blew legs off. Great. So when you see an entire generation of Vietnamese Cambodian and Laotian people hobbling around on crutches, you can thank Henry Kissinger for that. Multi-generational birth defects caused by Agent Orange. Dead U.S. soldiers, 50,000 plus. I've been to the Vietnam War Memorial in Washington, D.C. I didn't know anybody that went to Vietnam, but it made me cry just to see the place. You know what I mean? And we were the bad guys in that war, by the way. And I'm not trying to put that on the soldiers. They were there because they had to be there. It was awful. But if you want a visual of Henry Kissinger's legacy, think of the famous black and white photo that was taken on June 8th, 1972. It won a Pulitzer Prize. It's known as Napalm Girl. You know what I'm talking about. It's a photo of four children running. One of them, the one in the middle is a 11-year-old girl who's naked, and in the background, you can she's on a road. She's running towards the camera. These children are running towards the camera. Behind them are a couple of U.S. soldiers, and behind them, the entire background is just up in flames because it had just been napalmed by the United States. That's Henry Kissinger. Naked children bombed with napalm, running for their lives, terrified that's henry kissinger so if there's somebody in your life that thinks that that guy was a an american hero for what he did that he ended the vietnam war he ended the vietnam war the war that he started don't give him you don't get credit for that you don't get credit for pulling some guy out of the car beating him to death and then helping him up henry kissinger did that i want you to put this in perspective you've seen the world war ii documentaries you know what happened in that war. European theater, Pacific theater. Think of all the bombs that were dropped. Think of all the bombs that the Germans dropped on the Russians and on the British and on the Poles and on the Slavs and on everybody. Think of all the bombs that the Germans dropped. Now think of all of the bombs that the Russians dropped and the Americans and the Brits in Europe. Think about all that destruction. Now pivot and think about the Pacific theater. Think about all the bombs that the Japanese dropped on China, on Manila, 
on the islands of the Pacific. And then think about how much America bombed the shit out of Japan and bombed those airplane or bombed those Japanese ships. Think about all of the bombing in all of World War II on both sides. Add up all up, combine all of it together into one pile. Every single bomb that was dropped in all of World War II in both theaters of war by everybody participating, add them all up, multiply that by two. That's the number of bombs that Henry Kissinger authorized to be dropped on Southeast Asia, Cambodia, Laos, and of course, Vietnam. Unforgivable. Unforgivable. He told Nixon that we were going to have to use tactical nukes. Nixon talked him out of it. When, when Richard fucking Nixon is the voice of reason in a room, you know you're dealing with pure evil. And Henry Kissinger was pure evil. 2.5 million people died in the Vietnam War, which was started by a non-event in the Gulf of Tonkin, a false flag attack that never actually happened, just reported that it did, used as the pretense to start the, world, start the war in Vietnam, to start the, to start the process of putting U.S. troops in there it, as in an advisory role. And then you know how that goes. 2.5 million people in Vietnam. The Laos bombings killed 200,000 people, even though they weren't even involved in the war at all. The American government and the American military just said, we think that the North Vietnamese are, are leaving their borders cutting through Cambodia and Laos and then sneaking back into the South Viet- Vietnam that way. And if you think of it like a football field, they were going out of bounds, running down the sideline and then coming back in bounds. And so in order to stop that, Kissinger authorized the bombing of Cambodia and Laos, which was illegal, which was against international law. He didn't care. He killed 200,000 people. I'd like you just in Laos, a country that you don't think of even being involved in the Vietnam War. So let's put that in perspective. Take the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Pretend like you've got the Super Bowl there and you fill that thing up. It'll hold 100,000 people. And then you murder every single person in that stadium. Take their bodies out into the parking lot, stack them up, fill that stadium up again with another 100,000 people. Murder all of them, take them out into the parking lot, stack them up. And that's just the people that Henry Kissinger authored, authorized to die in Laos alone. Multiply that by two and a half for Cambodia because 500,000 people died there. You're starting to get the picture. You're starting to understand why I'm so fucking angry about this. This guy was celebrated like he was a hero. He should have been thrown out of the airplane itself after, after killing, murdering half a million Cambodians. He then wound up working in part well, it, 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 the, the murder of Cambodians there created a power vacuum that was filled by Pol Pot, who then went on to kill 2 million more Cambodians, which worked out to 25% of the entire population of Cambodia. Kissinger didn't stop that. And you know why? Because Henry Kissinger is a eugenicist who wants the population reduced. War is a perfect opportunity for that. Henry Kissinger's legacy in Southeast Asia should have sent him to The Hague 
on war crimes charges. Instead, they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize. How disgusting. But it wasn't limited to Southeast Asia, unfortunately. South America got it too. If you're familiar with uh, Operation Condor in the late 70s or early 80s in what is known as the Southern Cone, which is Argentina and Chile, Henry Kissinger was responsible for overthrow of Salvador Allende, the democratically elected president of Chile. He was then installed, they installed Augusto Pinochet in 1973. 1973, you say. In 1973, you regime changed Chile. You installed Augusto Pinochet, who then went on to murder 30,000 people and disappear another 30,000 more, presumably dead. 1973. You know what else happened in 1973? I mentioned it earlier. Henry Kissinger won the Nobel Peace Prize. And a million dollars. No incentive for this guy to ever stop. He was rewarded everywhere he went. Every move he made. The more bodies that stacked up, the more Henry Kissinger was applauded, celebrated, given medals, given awards, given money, paid speaking engagements. Disgusting. Operation Condor was a criminal conspiracy to forcibly disappear people in the Southern Cone. And uh, Kissinger ran the point on that. He was the man. He was the guy that was in charge of that. This was known as Argentina's Dirty War. You might have heard of that. Kissinger was the one that started that. So for those of you in South America that heard about the chaos in the Southern Tip during those years, just know that the architect of that terror was Henry Kissinger. But this isn't this isn't conspiracy theory either, by the way. This is this is celebrated. This is celebrated. This is what a great job you did, Hank. Bangladesh. Do you even think of Bangladesh? Most people don't. It's got about 140 million people there. If it were up to Henry Kissinger, it would have zero. And Richard Nixon as well. In 1971, Richard Nixon was through the archives where they, you know, they recorded everything that was going on in the White House. He he said he wanted to create a mass famine in there, in Bangladesh. He wanted to get rid of those people. He said they need a mass famine. And with Kissinger's help, they financed the opposition, which led to the death of three million Bengalis and the raping of 200,000 women in Bangladesh. Henry Kissinger was involved in that. 10 million people fled the country as a result of this. They went wherever they could go, into India, into Pakistan, wherever. But nobody, nobody ever really talks about Kissinger's role in this genocide. And it's a genocide. When, when 3 million people die, that's a genocide. But he wasn't finished with them just wait, just wait until we get to the 1974 memo. We're going to get to that. He, he, the depopulation for that entire region was on his list. Okay, he was Kissinger was involved in supporting Indonesia President Suharto's invasion of East Timor. I mean, that's that's a that's an almost forgotten war too. Do you know where East Timor is? Could you find it on the map? Probably not. It's in that chain of the island chain, Indonesian island chain, very small island. They got on the wrong side of the Indonesian government. Kissinger's response was, 
do what you need to do, but don't say I did that. And wait till I get home. He met with Suharto. Wait till I get home. As soon as Henry Kissinger got home the very next day, the murder started. They murdered 200,000 people. Again, 25% of the population of East Timor on the go-ahead of Henry Kissinger. That's what we're dealing with. Just in terms of body count, you know, that's, that's the quantifiable destruction in terms of deaths that you can hang on Kissinger. How do you measure the intangibles? I don't know. How do you measure the multi-generational birth defects that are still happening in Southeast Asia? The children that are born today that have birth defects because their parents were exposed to Agent Orange. How do you measure that? You don't. You can't. You just can't. And I mentioned, you know, I talk about Henry Kissinger because we have to. I, I, get, I get sort of, I don't know if choked up is the right way to describe it, but I, I want to shake the rest of the world and say, why can't you see what we see? Why can't you see this guy for who he really was? Why are you having gala dinners in his honor? Why? Why isn't he in a prison cell? I mean, I, look, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but Henry Kissinger is the devil. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, I just the idea of your mind allowing you to come up with these ideas for death and destruction. Well, look, when you're when you're dropping bombs on poor people, brown people especially, or yellow people, he, he hated them too. You, you're already barely a member of the human race at that point, in my eyes. If you, if you're 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 plotting these ideas, but it look. It wasn't limited to just overt murder. The idea was to control the world. The idea was to form a world government. This is what Henry Kissinger was involved in. He's, he's, he wanted a world government. He wanted a new world order. He was the new world order. He was part of this group. One of the most dangerous men of the 20th century. I would put Henry Kissinger in the same category as Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Pol Pot, Mao Zedong. The only difference is that Henry Kissinger wasn't the president or the Fuhrer or the whatever, premier. No, he was too much of a chicken shit to actually do that. He did all his work from the shadows. He was known as a statesman. What does that mean? Statesman? Henry Kissinger is a statesman? Please define what statesman means to you if, that's, if you're talking about Henry Kissinger. I get worked up. I get worked up thinking about this guy. You ever, you ever see somebody? Like maybe a picture of somebody or you're watching, I don't know, you're watch, watching something and you see somebody and you go, oh shit, that guy just looks evil. Henry Kissinger looked evil. Remember that the the David Icke story. David Icke tell, tells the story about being in a makeup, uh, being backstage at the BBC before he was David Icke as you knew him, as we all know him. He was more like David Icke, the TV presenter, Green Party guy. And, and Ted Heath is sitting in the makeup chair next to him, and that he said that he Ted Heath didn't say anything to him, just looked him him up and down, looked at his feet, and slowly scanned him. And by the time David Icke made eye contact with Heath by the time Heath's eyes reached David Icke's face, you know, so that they were looking 
each other eye to eye. He said that there was his eyes were all black, that there was no white in his eyes. They were solid black, and that they were like black mirrors. That he was looking at evil. That's how I envision Henry Kissinger: black eyes, pure evil. Let's talk about what he did with the United States dollar. Let's talk about the petrodollar. He created that concept. Kissinger was the driving force behind the creation of the petrodollar while his boss Nixon was busy depegging the US dollar from the gold-backed standard. So as it as the dollar is depegged from gold, meaning backed by gold, you can convert your dollars into gold if you need to. You know, there's only so much of a gold supply, so therefore by default, there's only so much of a dollar supply. If it's backed by gold, and then you, you're you sort of limited by as much gold as you have. But well, Kissinger said, well, that's not going to work anymore. We're moving into a new paradigm. We're going to be backed by something else. So he went to the Middle East, and he got that group together, OPEC, oil-producing countries, and he came up with an idea. He said, this is what we want to do. You guys here in the Middle East are always in trouble. There's always people looking to fight you. And uh, what we'll do is we're willing to make a deal with you. We will offer you protection from all of these enemies that you've got. We've got the strongest military in the world. Keep in mind, this is the early 1970s. We'll protect you. But you need to do something for us. From this moment forward, you're going to sell your oil in dollars and only in dollars. You will not be able to accept rupees, rubles, Deutschmarks, lira, whatever. Whatever currency all of these other countries work with and use on a daily basis, that's not going to be good for you. You're not going to be able, that's that money's not going to work to buy your oil. If somebody wants to buy oil from you, they can only use US dollars. So if you think about this from a strategic standpoint, it keeps the dollar valuable because everybody needs this oil. And if you're going to buy the oil from the Middle East, you have to buy it. It's like them saying, we, it would be like the equivalent of them all saying tomorrow, um, Michael Saylor goes there from MicroStrategies and says, from now on, you can only sell oil for Bitcoin. What do you think that would do to Bitcoin? Right. As an example, it would make it extremely valuable because everybody would need to have it if they wanted to buy this oil. So use that. Just think of it like that. That's how it was with the dollar. They said, you want oil? You got to you got to use U.S. dollars to buy these to buy your oil from from the Saudis and and from the Kuwaitis and UAE and all of these oil producing nations. And so, the era of the petrodollar began, and the process of hyperinflating the U.S. currency, the U.S. dollar began as well, and this allowed them to finance their desires for never-ending war and depopulation. You see, when you're backed by gold, there's only so much you can do, so only so many dollars you can print. But when you're backed by a promise of the US military, you can print as many dollars as you want. And they did. And so if you go and look at that move when the dollar was depegged from gold and when the petrodollar arrangement was was put into place, that's when the value of the dollar really started to fall apart. And that is a not a coincidence. 
Henry Kissinger was deeply involved with the Rockefeller family, Chase Bank, Federal Reserve, all of these globalist entities. And if, for some reason, your country tried to move to a gold standard, as Libya wanted to do, he would regime change you and make sure that the leader was murdered and make sure that a, a new administration that was not thinking about getting off of this petrodollar arrangement was installed. That's what they do. He was a Rockefeller proxy. He was Harvard educated. You know, I, I remember growing up thinking like, oh man, if you went to Harvard, that's like, that's like really good on your resume, right? You would probably be able to get a job anywhere. I wouldn't want Harvard on my resume these days. You know, look, to be fair, not that I could have gotten into Harvard, but even if I had, I wouldn't want that on my resume these days. Given what I know about Harvard and what I know about how they operate and who they're, who they, you know, who's come through those doors and who they've elevated. Harvard is a deep state university like Johns Hopkins and, and Yale, you know, the, these are, you know, there's, there's the majority of people that go through those schools that never understand what's going on. They're not selected for these programs. They're getting a, a degree in, in women's lit or something like that. And then they go on and teach at some college and they're like, oh, you're so great. You know, you went to Harvard and like, okay, fine. Yeah, great. But what really was going on was that there were certain people that were selected and elevated out of that group. Klaus Schwab was one of them, whose mentor was, of course, Henry Kissinger. And Henry Kissinger wasn't just Harvard educated, he was connected to them as far as teaching goes too. And he fell into the orbit of the Rockefeller dynasty pretty early on in his career, and he never left. He worked for them in one way or another forever. You don't hand in your 30 days notice when you're a globalist working for the Rockefellers, you either do the job forever or your plane blows up. And Heinz was a loyal soldier to the very end. They didn't need to put a gun to Henry Kissinger's head and say, you're going to do what we want to do with the globalist ideology. You're going to do this. He bought in. They didn't need to convince him. He was convinced. He was advising them on how to do it. He was showing them how to do it better. He was showing them how to do it differently, showing them how to do it through the White House, through the use of the government itself. So Henry Kissinger didn't need to be talked into being a globalist scumbag. He was one from the beginning. He just found his perfect match with the Rockefellers. And part of what he did with them while he was in office was he did, he put in place the move to open up China. That's what they call it. Reestablishing a relationship with China that had been closed 23 years earlier. So he was involved in bringing that arrangement back, not because he's a good guy that wants to be friends with everybody. He opened up China so that the Rockefellers uh, Chase Bank could infiltrate China and set up banking institutions. Because when you've got a billion plus people there, they want that. They want access to that that marketplace. And George H.W. Bush was deeply involved in this too. And he was uh, an ambassador to the United Nations, ambassador to China. He was involved in this and opened it up as well. So think of the three of them, David Rockefeller, Henry Kissinger, and George H.W. Bush. I mean, good Lord. But they were, they were the ones that were involved in, uh, 
in in reestablishing these connections with China. And now look where we are. And now China's the big boogeyman, right? Kissinger's out there flying around, going to China all the time, setting this up. You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd think that maybe we created this boogeyman so that we would have somebody to fight against later. I'm not wrong. Uh, He was, you know, so his reasoning for opening up China, his actual reason was for the Rockefellers and to eventually outsource manufacturing to China, to turn it into the world's um, factory. And that was the plan all along because the Bush clan and, uh, and, his, and his diabolical group went and immediately opened up 5,000 factories in China through their banking, banking connections and through their relationship with the Chinese government. So that started immediately when the, the Bush syndicate got involved there in conjunction with the Rockefellers. And they did this under the guise of a U.S.-China anti-Russia alliance. So that's sort of how they, they frame this to the general public. We're not, we're not going over there to take advantage of these poor Chinese and put, build factories and put them to work making uh, you know, rubber dog shit or something like that. They, they, they had bigger plans for this. It was part of it was to infiltrate the banking part, but they used the cover story of we're, we're just worried about Russia, you know, and, and that was the excuse for, for creating the relationship that they had, that they did with China. Um, let's talk a little bit about, let's go back to episode 250 for a second, because that's the one that's the Kissinger report. National Security Study Memorandum 200, NSSM 200, December 10th, 1974. This was written by Henry Kissinger. This was classified. This was never supposed to see the light of day. It has. He talks about the adequacy of world food supplies, talks about 10 to 20 million die each year of starvation. They were involved in mineral and fuel resources in the LDCs, lesser developed countries. That's what they talk. That's what they call them. Third world. Nice, nice way of saying third world, right? So um, they talked about economic development. They talked about population growth. There's too many people in the LDCs means lower GDP growth uh, because the money that's being made in these countries is being used for survival, not investments. That was their thinking. The the philosophy of this is that, you know, if only these, these poor countries with all these people, um, if they didn't have to worry about, if they were able to invest in their country, then it would be so much better for them, but they're not able to invest in their country because there's so many people there that they're just worried about their survival. So what Kissinger's plan was, well, why don't we just get rid of a bunch of the people? Then they don't have to worry about their survival. Then they can join us. I mean, it'll be a double-edged sword. I mean, it'll be a, 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 a double victory. It'll be, we get to depopulate, which Henry Kissinger loved, and- there'll be fewer of them so that the money that we pour into these countries can be used to create new economies that we can then control. This is from the, the, this is from the report. I want to read it. The universal objective of increasing the world's standard of living dictates that economic growth 
outpace population growth. In many high population growth areas of the world, the largest proportion of GNP is consumed with only a small amount saved. Thus, a small proportion of GNP is available for investment, the the engine of economic growth, they call it. We cannot wait for overall modernization and development to produce lower fertility rates naturally, since this will undoubtedly take decades in most developing countries, during which time rapid population growth will tend to slow development and widen even more the gap between rich and poor. We cannot wait for them to produce lower fertility rates naturally. So let's do it unnaturally. That's what Kissinger suggested. Let's sterilize the population. Let's start vaccine programs and use the vaccine programs as a covert sterilization program. We'll come in, we'll send in, we'll send in our United Nations group, the World Health Organization. You remember the World Health Organization? You remember, you know why, you know why the World Health Organization kept getting busted, putting sterilants and things? Because this was the plan all along. The World Health Organization is part of the United Nations. And the United Nations was started by David Rockefeller, Henry Kissinger's partner. And what they want is depopulation. So what they did was they said, we will create the World Health Organization and we will use this as a pretense of health. We're going to come in and we're going to help you become healthier as a society. What they didn't tell the people was that the, the vaccines that they were giving out were filled with sterilants. They sterilized the population. More from that. I want to read another quote from this National Security Memorandum 200. The political consequences of current population factors in the LDCs, lesser developed countries, rapid growth, internal migration, high percentages of young people, slow improvement in living standards, urban concentration, and pressures for foreign migration are damaging to the internal stability and international relations of countries in whose advancement the U.S. is interested, thus creating political or even national security problems for the U.S. In a broader sense, there is a major risk of severe damage to world economic, political, and ecological systems. And as these systems begin to fail to our humanitarian values. There's risk to Henry Kissinger's humanitarian values, everybody. If we don't do something about these poor shithole countries in the third world, we're not going to be able to do business with them. And it will impact our humanitarian values. Now, do you remember me going through the list? I'm going to go through it again because it, it bears repeating. This is from number 30 in that uh, National Security Memorandum. You can find it, by the way. I've read the whole thing. It'll make your blood boil. Number 30, the world population plan of action is not self-enforcing and will require vigorous efforts by interested countries, UN agencies, World Health Organization, and other international bodies to make it effective. U.S. leadership is essential. The strategy must include the following elements and actions. Concentration on key countries. Assistance for population Moderation should give primary emphasis to the largest and fastest growing developing countries where there is special U.S. political and strategic interests. Not for the good of humanity, by the way, just political and strategic interests. I, I continue. 
Those countries are India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Nigeria, Mexico, Indonesia, Brazil, Philippines, Thailand, Egypt, Turkey, Ethiopia, and Colombia. If you live in any of those countries, you have been slated for destruction and depopulation by Henry Kissinger. It's in that memo. He didn't think you'd read it. He didn't want you to read it. I read it. I encourage you to read it as well. So when I say that Henry Kissinger is a monster, please understand this is what I'm talking about. He believes that it is his right and obligation to thin the herd, to go into these countries, to go into Bangladesh. Killing 3 million people in Bangladesh was not enough for him. By the way, he did that in 1971. This memo, 1974. So he's got Bangladesh on the mind, right? He's got a problem with Dhaka. He's got a problem with that city. He wants it depopulated. He wants that entire country depopulated. It doesn't work for him. He had bad things to say about the Indians as well. So when, when, you, when you re-examine the life of Henry Kissinger, and it goes, takes me back to that, that Anthony Bourdain quote, when you visit uh, Cambodia, you will never want to stop resisting strangling Henry Kissinger with your bare hands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The fact that Henry Kissinger died peacefully at 100 years old is a fucking crime against humanity in and of itself. He should have been thrown off the Empire State Building. And for those of you that think that, uh, that have his back because he's Jewish, well, I've got news for you. He hated you too. He was a self-hating Jew. Quote, if it were not for the accident of my birth, I would be anti-Semitic, 1973, while Secretary of State. A self-hating Jew. He went on to say, any people who have been persecuted for 2,000 years must be doing something wrong. So, you know, I get, don't you get George Soros vibes from this one? Because I do. I mean, they're, they're, they're basically the same mentality. They're basically the same. They see the world the same way. Let's wrap up with this. You know, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this, this episode relatively short because I, I don't want it. I don't want to turn it into just me complaining about Henry Kissinger all day long because I could do that. I really just want to make it fact-based to the extent that I can, talk about what he did, and then you feel about him however you want to feel about him. I know how I feel about him. I, I can't imagine anybody saying, yeah, well, you know, mistakes were made, but he was a, he was a statesman and he really put America first and he tried to do what was best for him. Uh, fuck off. No, 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 no. That's what the television tells you to think. Have an original thought about Henry Kissinger. Listen to this stuff, and then you tell me whether he was a good guy or a bad guy. Okay? I mean, doesn't matter. He's dead now, but thank God. But let's talk about the non-governmental organizations and globalist think tanks and groups that he was a part of. I mean, if I were to make a list of the most dangerous organizations in the world, it would be safe for me to say that Henry Kissinger was a member of almost all of them. You know, if, if it's automatic disqualification for somebody to be a World Economic Forum young global leader, as it is these days in my book, just understand, Henry Kissinger created that program. And the World Economic Forum was just one of the things he was involved with. He was Klaus Schwab's mentor. He put him on the path towards understanding this world government. 
and 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 we are where we are today in the situations that we're in with tensions with China and fuckery in Ukraine and all of this stuff because of Henry Kissinger. He wasn't trying to prevent us from getting into wars. He was trying to figure out which wars were the most profitable and made the most sense, which ones could depopulate, uh, you know, which ones could, could cross multiple items off of his checklist. Depopulation, check. Regime change, good, we'll do that. Open up uh, operations for the Rockefeller family to move in and start doing business. Great, we love that. So some of the times he could, he was he was accomplishing multiple goals, but when you hear this list of the groups that he was a part of, I mean it's nothing short of terrifying. You you know he went to Bilderberg, and you know he was on the steering committee of Bilderberg, but did you know that he went to Bilderberg forty six times? Did you know that he went to Bilderberg this year in twenty twenty three at a hundred years old? He was there. I mean, when you need the baby blood, you got to go to Bilderberg, right? I'm just saying. Atlantic Council, which is the NGO connected to NATO, he was not just a member, of course, he was on the board. But, but of course he was. He was a member of the Hoover Institution, which is a massive thing. He was a major investor in Theranos. I, I mentioned that earlier, but it bears repeating because when you're talking about... Uh, experimental blood technologies you know you talk about these guys he was of course a member of the council on foreign relations he was involved with rand corporation which is a um, which was run by frank carlucci and donald rumsfeld he's a member of phi beta kappa if you went through college and you're a member of phi beta kappa just understand you have you have company in henry kissinger not the greatest he was a member of the pilgrim society and I assure you, they were not setting up Thanksgiving dinner for the Indians. He was a member of Le Circle, the Circle, maybe the most dangerous organization in the world. He was a member of the Committee of 300, maybe the most dangerous organization in the world in parallel with Le Circle. He was a member of the Trilateral Commission. He was a Knight of Malta. He started the Future of Russia Foundation. He was a United Nations frontman. He was as involved in that organization as you can be. Henry Kissinger left a legacy of death and destruction. He has blood on his hands. Good luck in hell, where you belong. An actual monster. Hey, if you like this episode, you can take the additional step right now of sharing it with your friends and family. You can follow me on Twitter at Macroaggressions, or you can go to the website, theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. Thanks, everybody. I'll talk to you again soon. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite-only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.